0: You know, it's kind of like safety uh, with some companies. It's not important until something happens. Where where we sit as coaches, we see some some pretty sad things and some pretty sudden and unexpected things. We we have a template for you to go through because outside of the sadness of your own your own situation, you have employees that have families and and they need their payroll to be met. We need to make sure we we have clarity over who the leader is going to be in your absence. So there's mechanisms to put in place that are really important.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan and I am back as your episode host to continue the discussion on our succession planning process, a new program offered here by Nolan Consulting Group. This is a topic that our team has become quite passionate about over the last couple of years through the recognition that your organization deserves a thoughtfully curated and carefully executed exit plan when that time is to come. Our succession process is a three-stage, nine-step program that was intentionally designed to help create a methodical plan for business owners who might be looking to transition in their role in the next five to seven years. In our first episode, we gave a process overview and focused on stage one, the exploration and foundation. It's a time of discovery and getting out of the hallway. Today, managing partner Brian Nolan and NCG business coach Jim Bradley join me to focus on the framework of stage two, the next chapter and transition, what some may call the heart of the process and the roadmap to the future. As always, if you'd like to learn more about our succession planning process and the program specifics, You can visit our website or contact me directly via email molly at nolancg.com. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get Out of the Hourglass. All right. Welcome back to another episode. I have the privilege of two coaches with me today. I have Brian Nolan, managing partner of NCG, and Jim Bradley, business coach here with us as well. Brian and Jim, welcome.
0: Good to be here, Mal, again. Good to have
2: Jim,
0: yes. uh, my sidekick here, who's um, taking over a lot of clients for me these days. Yes, uh, sir, yep. That's my transition plan in part is to give <laughs> Jim my clients. Don't worry, all of you, not all at once, but he has taken some. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Ma.
1: Yeah, no, great, great to have you. Um, A lot of folks know Jim um, from the Lean series that we've been uh, working on and just wrapped up our sixth episode. Um, So it's fun to bring you back, Jim, for um, another topic. I told you we'd we'd have you back on here for, uh, and it wasn't too long. So... Today, we're talking about the succession planning process that Nolan Consulting Group just rolled out a few weeks ago. Um, On our last episode with Brian and I, we talked about um, an introduction to the process, you know, why we found it to be so important to roll this out. Um, and we talked about stage one. Now, just for a brief reminder, uh, we have broken this down into three stages, um, that being stage one, exploration and foundation. And so last time we connected, Brian, you and I talked about, you know, that that's the discovery phase of the succession planning process. It's about exploring the exit with the owner, the retirement and estate planning in ownership transition options, um, and then we have two other stages. And on this call, we'll focus on stage two, um, which is more so uh, the next chapter and transition for the owner and what that what that looks like. And we'll do another another episode in the future on stage three, which focuses on development and communication. But Brian, tell us just a reminder again, you know why this. This creation of the SPP—that's what we we call the succession planning process for short. Why this was so important to you to roll out as a new program for both new clients and existing clients?
0: Well, you know, you look at the um, aging demographic, and it's pretty clear that um, there's a lot of people getting into the age where they have to to uh, decide whether they're going to wind down their business completely or they're going to sell it. my client base has been getting older, and I I work with a group of clients who are all in their uh, 60s. Um, I also see a lot of uncertainty in people's minds. When I talk, they just don't know, um, and they don't know what the options are. And, you know, it's actually anxiety-ridden when you get into your 60s and you don't know. And the one slide that I talked about last week or the last podcast was doors open and doors close the trick Molly is to what
1: get out of the hallway
0: stay out of the hallway and um, when I start having conversations with clients about this and we start to document it they've often avoided this because it's almost like a realization admitting that they're getting older Um, Mm -hmm. but then once you do it once you start putting it on paper let me tell you the feeling that I see people having of almost peacefulness of responsibility that they're finally getting to uh it it is a it is a um well it's your last great great mission is to make sure that you leave a business behind or sell it or have a plan for it because a lot of people depend on you guys people's paychecks depend upon you and they're all wondering what's the boss going to do what's the boss going to do
1: While the boss is also thinking, what am I going (laughs) to do? What am I going to do?
0: Exactly. How am
1: I going to leave this thing? Who's going to be in charge? Um, Now, Jim, you played a big role in the development of this succession planning process um, and the creation of what the program looked like. Um, Yourself and Sydney Bates from our team and Brian met frequently and really, you know, helped develop the framework. How? Just to you know, before we kind of roll into stage two, what was that process like for you?
2: yeah it was uh i'll use the word intentional right there was a definite purpose there that came from brian kind of driving it but we you know it was a lot of work like sydney and i didn't met quite a bit kicked it up around then we would get with brian and you know there'd be an injection of creativity there uh you no know, but i i would say that like really brian your experience and your passion for it kind of brought it to life um well, yeah, it was a lot of work, read a lot of books, looked at a lot of academic stuff on my part. And uh, I think it came together nicely. And I, I think what confirmed for me that we did a good job was when we were at the Grand Summit presenting to the group. And um, a lot of the clients that you referenced were like, I wish I had this several years ago mm-hmm. as they're
0: already in the journey. Also, I, you know, Mal, I, I saw there was a void in the marketplace for this. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's some books on it, uh, but there's not enough um, written in a step by step process that gives you time. And again, we're saying seven years out is a good time to start the planning. Um, we say you spent thirty plus years building a business, you need to spend the appropriate amount of time. Whether I mean think think of a relay race. It's not going to be it's like one day you're gone, right. It's it, to do it right. It takes, as Jim said, intention,
1: yeah. and so this this planning process or this framework that has been created is something that is designed to set you up so that you can then begin to roll out the plan over those next seven years. Um, so when we talk about the succession planning process and the program that we have around it and working with clients, this is not saying, you know, we're, we're setting up to work with client client over the next seven years. Through it, we are setting you up for intentional next seven or so years as you as you look to to make, um, you know, bring that that program to life. And Jim, you started working on the SPP with some clients. I'd love for you to share any any takeaways or anything um, that has really struck you in in that process so far.
2: Yeah, so this is catching momentum uh with new clients and currently are at six existing client base but uh relief is the word that really stands out for me because like when you know as i do my calls i'm talking to some of my clients that are in this phase mm-hmm. and it's just they had no idea where to begin so they they understood the complexity of it but like to Brian's point there's uh a lack of a roadmap that really simplified it for them um and they So they feel better. And, you know, some of the things that stand out are options that we're going to talk about, or I think Brian hit on as well, there's many options out there that they never thought of, right? Right. And I think probably for me, one of the most important ones is taking my life's work, this business that I've built, and being able to have it sustain my next phase of where I go next, right, from a financial perspective, or Mm -hmm. Even my legacy when my children are, you know, a valued employee.
0: Um, but yeah, there's some of the things that really stand out as we talk. You know, one of the options. You know, you mentioned options. I I was just on the on a coaching call this morning with a client who's in his 60s, and we started talking about options. And he's decided he wants he wants his kids who are in their 30s to buy the business, um, but where are they going to get the money from? Um, so we started to say, say, well, let's let's start an account now. Let's start putting uh, putting five thousand dollars a month into um, an option account or a, a succession account uh, that in in the appropriate time, seven years, will have will have grown as as an investment to then to be used to to purchase him, um, and so that's an asset on the books. Um, it could then become an officer loan. The new, the new owners. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a shareholder loan. The new owners borrow that money to pay the owner and then pay it back over time. Uh, so that's just one option. There's there's literally a dozen options. I know one company is considering an ESOP, uh, which is um, an employee stock option program. Um, so. Getting, yeah, I think that's so. That's ha- options are key. yeah.
1: That's half the battle is not being aware of what are all the options on the table for you to then begin to weed through and learn about, and then decide what's the right course for for your business. Um, so we love being able to to help teach and provide um, opportunity and just awareness to to folks that we work with um, and to new clients as well. So let's let's move into stage two of the succession planning process. As I mentioned, stage one was about exploration and foundation. So a lot of learning happening there. You know, what is it that you need to sustain yourself financially um, after you're, you're not in the business day to day? And what are your options? So stage two being about the next chapter and the transition, this really is, in my opinion, the roadmap. And Brian, you referenced something yesterday, you know, when we were talking about this topic, you said this is the heart of the process, right? Mm. This is really Mm. roadmapping intentionally where it is that you want to go and how you're going to do it.
0: Well, you know, it's the heart of the process in more than one way, because it's also the most emotional process. This is the, when we say a heart of it is coming from the heart um, but it's also the where where the rubber hits the road this this step four, which is the first step in stage two, is the owner's next chapter mm-hmm. and um what I have found is that um a an owner is not going to let go until they find something else uh, and I have found this is an emotional roller coaster. One day they just say to me, "I'm done. I'm out. I want out." I literally had an email last week from a client telling me agenda item, "I want out." <laughs> that was the only thing he said. But then a week later, he's like, "I feel like I'm not doing. It. My my kids make all the decisions. What am I here for? Well, I want to. They need to run things by me." So this this is, happens to to all of us. One day we want out. One day we're like. No, we're, this is our business. And so you cannot effectively move on until you have identified what you are going to do next. Now, only a small percentage of us want to play golf five days a week. I'm not one of them.
1: I would say, Brian or Jim, are you one of them?
0: I do like (laughs) (laughs)
2: golf. I do.
1: So we know where Jim will be in uh, 20,
0: you know, 25 years. Well, do, do you like it five days a week, Jim?
2: No, no, okay. and Brian, it's funny because I I say that to all my clients when we talk have these conversations is you're not the type of person that just retires. You have to have something to go to, right? You have this high drive that got you to where you're at now. There's got to be something that that occupies your time and keeps you engaged.
0: Yeah, Chuck Chuck Winkles, uh, uh, who we we work with to sell uh, shares to his son. Uh, He loves golf, loves it. He's like, I can't play golf more than two or three days a week. Otherwise, I I go silly. So Chuck Winkles has become a satellite coach and a great one at that. And I think is setting an example for for a really effective succession. Um, So finding this next chapter in your world, you know, Jim, as you coach a lot of these people through this, this is the work of the work, you know, getting them to be able to let go. You know, I've, I've started my, my journey there early because I'm, I'm not gonna leave for a decade, but I've already started my new passion. Uh, once business is over, I'm into it now. It's a foundation for, um, for kids who have speech impediments. It's a near and dear to my heart. And um, I have incredible passion around it and it's gonna be awesome. Right. I
2: just to add to that. So what I'm seeing is that this is a sticking point for them. Right. So nobody has asked them before. What's next for you? Right. Right? Because our work becomes our identity and we fall into those roles easily. But like when I ask them, there actually is a a pretty decent pause where they sit there and they ponder. And I'm like, this is something we're going to have to keep coming back to. And a lot of them say, I don't know.
1: I feel like this is a lot of like the peeling back stage where they say one thing and then it's the role of the coach here to really kind of, to identify something like a nugget of what they said and be, and to help lead them a little bit down a a road of recognizing, you know, how they do want to spend their time, what is important. And, you know, there's a lot of great, you know, resources and questions around um, this, this topic within, within the workbook, but, you know, where else do you feel like you provide value in, you know, your community? I would imagine like a Chuck, a Chuck Winkles, he's not done being, um, providing value in a, in a organization. So he wants to be a mentor in his sales capacity. So when, what is it, you know, so, I mean, Brian, to your, to your question, um, what other avenues have you seen? Yeah owners take as they find it
0: let me give you two two avenues to take here um the first is is i i use this term a lot now molly it's called three feet from gold and um three feet from gold means what you value what you're looking for is not way out there it's right here it's probably something close to your heart close to you. you you've probably been thinking about it but haven't gotten to it um who knows what it is? It could be a, a mental health issue that you want to get involved in, uh, volunteering that you've never maybe had the time or the resources financially to be, be able to do that. So spend time thinking about your life and what you value most. The other thing I'll, I'll say, start saying yes to things. Now, when you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, we coach you how to say no to things. <laughs> say no. No focus on less things but now explore start saying yes to things so I I recently went to a it was called a sip and paint and <laughs> my wife and I went and we we sip wine and we painted go figure I was a decent painter I loved it uh now there's there actually is talent it, in my family, apparently not in my wife's family, because the two of us were comparing, and uh, <laughs> the art teacher um, uh, was not so praising of Agnes's painting, but she loved mine um, anyway. And you, uh,
1: let's just let's just make sure it's known you do display your sit and paint artwork in your office now. Oh,
0: it's right. If you if this was on on video, you would see it. Um, so arts and crafts, like start saying yes to things that you never said yes to. In the past, or maybe you were afraid to say yes to, or whatever that was. So those are the two different things. I have, I have people doing all kinds of things. Of course, this, this has to be planted in your primary aim. We talked about that last time, right? Mm-hmm. Picture a day and picture, like you know, like I, I love to fish. I don't love the golf. I'm gonna be doing doing more fishing, no question about it. But I'm I'm gonna be doing public speaking. Um, I'm going to be holding workshops for kids. I mean, you know, I, I figure I'm 60. I, I got a good 40 years left. How about you, Jim? How much- <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, 40 years I'd be good with, Brian. Uh, but no, I, I, I like that. I like it. So it's really just challenging yourself to keep the creativity going and and being stimulated with what you've done your whole life, right? So when you step out of this Thing that you've done for so long, yeah, you, you almost have to say yes to things, right? To kind of throw yourself out there, and I, I think it's great. I, I often use you as an example when I'm talking to people about what to do next, um you know, and and some other ideas. But like, it gets their wheels turned, and it, it's just stuff they never thought of. Right. So it's, it's an
1: it's fun. emotional, but it sounds like it's exciting. I mean, if you're able to to yeah. To flip how you're visualizing it, like this is the moment to dream. This is the step to dream about, right?
0: this is This is when it becomes real. Yeah. This is when, the, yeah, they dream about it, and they they start to detach their, as you said, Jim, their identity with their business. It happens to all of us. We attach our identity, our our happiness with our business. If we have a problem at work, that affects our overall happiness. That's got to stop. Right Problems are going to happen. and, uh, as I talked about in my keynote, whether it's good or bad is not immediately known., uh, mm-hmm. but we react emotionally because we attach it to identity that day
2: Right. you can... also, yeah, you also brought up another good component of it is the involvement with a spouse or significant other. Mm. Share that conversation with them because they play a role in it, right? Like you're gonna probably. You probably owe them some time in this phase. That's probably a good point coming out of
0: right.
1: Or they might be pushing you in certain direction because they are not prepared to be spending their all of their time with you.
0: <laughs> like uh, so I, I do hear that a lot actually. Yeah. I, I was talking to a wife of a client and she's like, I don't think I'm ready for him to be home every day. Yeah. So they're gonna go back out and get a job.
1: <laughs> I, I have heard that as well in other scenarios, which is funny, I mean, but it shows, Jim, you're, that point is is so true. You need to have those conversations because at the end of the day, I mean, your relationship is going to be impacted by the decisions that and the new and the new roadmap.
0: Yeah, I mean, right. think of the uh, traveling opportunities together, right? That that you can do. Um, I I know people that are thinking about moving closer to their kids now, so they can be with their grandkids. You know, by the way, as as a new grandfather, I can tell you how amazing it is to spend time with an eight-month-old baby boy, and holy cow, to to do that untethered by works dramas uh, is amazing, to watch the innocent joy of, uh, he's trying to walk at eight months old, Ma, he's going to go Right from his his back to walking. Not, i going to crawl.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and because that's you're grim. you're close by, you get you have the privilege of of seeing those those changes. Um, so if that's something that's important to you as a as an owner and as a you know a part of your family, that's something that you maybe you want to wrap into what the next what the roadmap looks like. Um, but so I see it as yes, being an emotional but an exciting um, step in in this particular stage. I want to talk about uh, step number five, um, something that is uh, less positive, exciting, but critical. And I would say, so if we're, this step five kind of puts us right in the, in the middle of the process, this is, this is the heart. Um, and Brian, I'm going to you know have you lead off with this because you've dealt with this um, personally with several clients, um, mm-hmm. but this is a step on crisis planning. And this is a step that we referenced um, back in our previous episode that kind of no matter where you are, if you are still years and years and years away from even thinking about succession planning, this is the the crisis planning component is something that everybody should be considering if you're an owner, correct, Bray?
0: Yeah, we, I, I'd like everybody on this call, uh, listening. If you don't have one, um, give yourself a date to get one done. We have a template for you to do this. Uh, you know, it's kind of like safety uh, with some companies. It's not important until something happens. Um, where where we sit as coaches, we see some, some pretty sad things and some pretty sudden and unexpected things. Um, two years ago, um, a member died at his desk. Um, his partner didn't know, but he had just finished writing a, a crisis plan with us. Um, I read it to him over the phone, both of us in tears. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, a member um, was diagnosed with cancer um, pretty suddenly, and he'll be out of the business probably probably for six months, maybe longer. Um, we found notes of a crisis plan on his desk. Um, other members have had cancer and had to be out of the business for like a year, uh, it's going to start happening and um we we have a template for you to go through because outside of the sadness of your own your own situation you have employees that have families and, and they need their payroll to be met we need to make sure we we have clarity over who the leader is going to be in your absence um we need to know your wishes um and not just if you die but if you're in, incapacitated at some point so I've I've got mine written uh, downstairs in the basement it's in the top drawer uh, it, it talks about my wishes for the shares also do I do I want my wife to be sort of encumbered with the business uh, it's hard to run so what what mechanisms do you have in place do you have a life insurance policy in place that would exchange uh, the proceeds of the life policy for the shares to other people. So there's mechanisms to put in place that are really important. Jim, have you, have you started that part of the conversation with a couple of the guys you're working with?
2: Absolutely. Brian, actually, it's one of the first things I hit. So yeah. th- this, the cri- even in our BPP process, the crisis plan document. So I've had similar experience like you where I dealt with companies owners going through it um it's amazing because what we do in our work is prepare for the worst like we're building budgets for like deep, deep changes in the economy and we're planning for turnover and but we don't set the time aside to plan for this mm-hmm. which is probably one of the most important aspects right so i i've like this is a priority for me with my clients is like i'm like pick a day just set some time aside and get this done. Now I'm seeing a lot of them embrace it, but like really what it comes down to is like, you're, it's a playbook for your family and your key, the important people in your life, when something difficult may be going on, they don't need the complexity. If it's outlined and there's a step-by-step direction coming from you, yeah. I think it's going to make them feel a little better. Mm-hmm. And a little, little less dealing with adversity on top of the emotional part of whatever may be going, may yeah. be going
0: on. Yeah. Two, two things to to add in that I, I think are essential points. First, uh, where are your passwords? Um, so the, the one client that passed away, um, they they didn't know the uh, QuickBooks password to access, and that became that became problematic. Uh, to be sure, the the other piece to mention is. Um, you could do things like uh, make a wishes for an advisory council to be put in place, and you would name the people. So, this one person I mentioned um, that was diagnosed two weeks ago, uh, we've started an advisory council of of uh, companies in Summit, five companies that are meeting and helping to um, make make his wife. Um, comfortable that there's oversight of the temporary leadership so those are those are things you you can put in place and then you feel relief that was a word you used before too Jim you again you feel relief and responsible right now 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 you could go and take risks
1: (laughs) and so I think it's important to say you know what will one do it and once you've done it tell somebody or some or some people where it is so that they know where to find it. I mean, Brian, you have shown me exactly where your crisis letter is. You have told me exactly where your passwords are. And so like, because in a moment of total shock and grief, your brain is not going to be able to guess and think where something might be. Where did someone so leave something behind for me to find? So have... Have that shared with a close network of people who will be the ones who will need to be having access to that. Um, so make sure, make sure people people know where it is.
0: Yeah, and so solicit passwords, but then it's a crisis letter. It's a letter, and um, when I read the letter to the partner of of the one gentleman who passed away suddenly at his desk at age, age sixty two, it starts off almost like, "Well, if you're reading this." Don't be sad for me. It's been a good run, right? And so you're, you're reading a letter like, you know, and it's so, it's so authentic. It's coming from the person that just like, so, you know, here's what I'd like you to do. These five values, they're most important to me. Please make sure that these values stay instilled in the business. Um, and then you name the people you'd like to to run, you 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 know, the business, you... You know it just um it's it should be next to your last will and testament, right? Right.
1: So for anybody who's listening to this, no matter again, where you are at this stage in your business, please, please, please consider this as a takeaway uh, from this from this conversation as something that um, you should work on. All right, Let's move back into positivity, right? to step number six. Um, and that being the management transition plan, so this is the third step in this second stage. And Jim, I'll, I'll you know I'll kick it to you first. Um, this is the stage where you're you're thinking about how the business is going to have to start, lo- what the business is going to have to look like for you to exit. Correct.
2: Correct. So I, I think that this is where the individual probably gets energized again. Because mm-hmm. it's that stimulation of like the business, right? What they're really good at. But it, it's the outline of like the critical components of the plan, right? So we're building a foundation for how we're going to move forward with strategy. What's the organizational chart going to look like or our structure? Who's making key decisions, right? And how do we cascade that down through the organization through a variety of sections uh, that, that touch a lot of different things? So. I, when I talk about this section, I'm always I always say to the owner, there is a vacuum of, that is created by your exit that impacts so many elements of the company
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, because they touch everything in their work.
1: They do. One of the, the most impactful exercises that I see um, from this particular step is the when the owner kind of circles or highlights all of the things that they do within the organization. So they're kind of highlighting all of their skills, all the things that they impact. And sometimes there's the thought, well, well, we need to find somebody who can do exactly what I can do? But most likely, there's a good, it's probably going to be a couple people yeah. who do all the things. Oh that yeah, you do. probably
0: two or three people.
1: Yeah. So yeah. maybe Brian, talk to us a little bit. um, Cause you've run through this. I, and I recall being on a mastermind call mm. with folks where you were, we were looking at that list and talking about the skills and that, and the replacement. So finding somebody to replace the skills that you have.
0: Yeah. So there's, and um you will not find that same person to do that. So um, like for instance, uh, there there are clients that um, do the visioning, and they also do business development, which is you know business, large, large relationships, um, and they also have an ability to create urgency in a company uh, to to um, execute on that. So I often tell them, start to find someone now who can do business development like you can. Because they founded the business and they, whether they have relationships with property managers, general contractors, um, chambers, get a biz dev person. That is really key. Then visioning, how do you vision? Start to teach someone how to vision, bring people in on that vision. That's really key. Um, I do want to hit probably one of the next emotional pieces here, which is decision making. And you, you hit on this, Jim. Decision making is emotional. When someone tells me, Brian Nolan, that's not your decision in my company. I'm like, oh, yes, it is. (laughs) Uh, But what I'm mistaking, I'm confusing ownership and management. And this is the point where you need to separate ownership and management, um, where you hire managers to make decisions and um, the famous line that we say often is um, responsibility without authority leads to what, Molly?
1: Disengagement.
0: Disengagement. So you're giving someone the authority on the organizational chart. And maybe it's what CRM to purchase or what, what human resource system or should we hire this salesperson? But then the owner comes in and makes the final call when they have a sales manager. On these things, it's not the way it's got to work. So you've got to start the decision-making matrix early and peeling away what decisions you're going to give to other people. Teach the company how to fish.
1: It's funny, um, just from sitting in on a couple of the management meetings here at NCG, I I spotlight a couple of them when certain topics come up. Um, But it's very funny to see when we get to certain conversations, whoever is the decision-maker makes it very clear they are the decision maker of that discussion. We had one two days ago, and Brian, you said, "Okay, let let it let this be clear. This is my decision. I'd like to hear from all of you, but this is my decision." And Catherine does the same thing, and Andrew does the same thing, and Colin, because you you own that decision, um, that decision factor pretty emotionally. You do. It's, so so when someone takes that away from you, I can immediately see why disengagement occurs.
0: But then once you get agreement in a meeting like that on who the decision maker is, it actually, you know, it's clarity and everybody then it gives their opinion. And, and, uh, but it really helps um, to start that practice now, not even seven years out, but start it now um, so other people can, can have that authority over what they own. Ryan, you
2: you also touched on the relationships, right? And I I think that in regards to time is very important because a lot of owners are the best salesmen, they're the best business developers, and they own relationships, many of them. Um, And identifying or or looking how we're going to lead moving forward, we have to take time and get these people into those relationships and build trust with some of these people that we work with And it it takes time, but it's extremely important. I think I heard it on the previous podcast. Um, People are looking; they buy companies and they want things in place. And like, if the business development and sales are leaving,
0: it's not as attractive. That's right. right. (laughs) Very important. Another point that I want to I want to expand upon, Jim. Something you said: the organizational chart. This is actually, I mean, besides decision making, this is. This is one of my favorite things to do is to build the model of when you leave. Uh, So, you know, let's say in in 2030, here's here are the roles we're going to have. And then here's the financial uh, goals to make that model work. I have one client that I'm working with on this, and he has done such an amazing job on every year the next five years. What he's going to bring in each year, how he, who he's going to elevate. It's mapped out. It's just, it is a beautiful thing. Now, things will happen. In fact, one, you know, one person may not make it. So he'll he'll replace that person. Um, so the the planning is actually more important than the plan, the ability to plan and then adjust. So that helps.
1: And I would suggest that this step, this management transition plan, this is really where you see the benefit of doing this seven years out, because this is where you see what you have to work on within the business. You know, not only, you know, personally, what you're going to, what you're going to find that you're passionate about or begin to find what you're passionate about, but you need time to Find the right people to, as Jim said, to really pass on relationships and make sure that the trust is there. So we're not. This is not about rushing any. This is not
0: at all. And in fact, the first first person may not work. You'll you'll bring in someone. I mean, you know, we. I you've heard my story. We bring in a coach. Coach didn't work. Then we hired Jim. Thank goodness, Jim. Jim sticks. Thanks, Jim. You're still going to stick, right? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So it, it doesn't work the first time all the time it takes time to build the right team and once you have the right team and you know it then it's easy to let go and by the way we don't talk about this much but the next generation has to step up and as you let go and there's going to be that conflict so we need to get involved in coaching the people who are going to step up because they've got to challenge otherwise people they wouldn't challenge now but it's their time to step up and the step up conversation is really important. I, I do that a lot when I coach father and sons. I'll I'll coach the son, and I'll say, "You're not taking that from him, are you? That you? No way. You go. You need. This is what we need to do." <laughs> you know, Brian.
2: There's another part of this. Like we we if we're looking for the right individuals, uh, if we're not bringing up within the organization, a major hurdle is culture fit as well. Mm-hmm. Right, so like again we built this business our whole life and a, a direct result of that is this culture that we built that people have come to know and mm-hmm. if that starts to the boat starts to rock on the culture
0: it's going to impact the business wow i i have a, I have a story i was just talking to a client this morning who left his business january 1st and uh, he'll go back in if the bank account goes down low. He's still the owner, but he put a new management team in place. But the culture is changing a little bit, and he's he's like, I need to make sure that I get involved when the culture shifts. Um, so that's interesting to be sure. Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, culture, culture. You got to protect as much as you can because bad culture can really can take a business in the wrong direction, uh, for sure. All right, so we we hit the three steps. We hit the the owner's next chapter, the crisis planning, and the management transition plan. And again, this is all part of stage, ch- ch- stage two of the SPP. And we're going to come back in a couple weeks and talk about stage three, the final stage of, of the process. And that's the development and communication. And that is taking all of the things that we've worked on, really rolling it into a plan, developing people to take over, and then communicating how we're going to go about this, which is another critical part. You can't create a plan and then just leave it on people's desks and expect it to just happen. We want to involve people, so we'll we'll dive into that uh, further on on our on our final episode um, of kind of introducing the SPP. Um, you know, Brian or Jim, any kind of final words about this particular stage uh, before we before we let we uh, we head out?
0: I I would just say start. Start writing things down out of your head. You know, the very first step that Jim and I go through with clients is exploring your exit. Um, so that survey, I mean, we could send you that survey if you're a client of ours, just it's a two or three page survey to just get things out of your head and on paper so you can, you can get a baseline. How about you, Jim?
2: Yeah, I, I think I'll go back to like what I said in the opening is to relief Um, It's there, the roadmap. And this is something that could really make you feel better and put you on a path to feeling more secure about the direction that it's going.
1: We all want to feel more secure, right? At the end of the day, life is life is crazy, business is messy, and so we're something we can control. We can control the controllable of creating an SPP plan here. Um, that is the goal. Um, a reminder: we have information about the, the succession planning process on our website. Um, if you are not a current client of Nolan Consulting Group, we'd love, and this is a topic that you're interested in, we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, we can certainly roll you through our SPP program, which is a six-month program. If you are a current client of ours, um, and this is something that you'd like to consider exploring, please talk to your coach. We have um, other uh, programs available as well for, for existing members. Brian and Jim, until next time, thank you so much for for bringing Stage 2 alive of the SPP and uh, looking forward to discussing Stage 3 in a few weeks.
2: Thanks, Ma. Thank you, Molly.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.